Amen. I'm thankful today that he is alive, alive, alive forevermore. I was talking to somebody here just a few weeks ago and sharing the gospel with them. And they were saying how that there's so many other religions out there. How do you know that yours is true? And I just said, brother, mine's the only one that has a risen Savior. Amen. The rest of them are all dead and in the grave. But he lives, he lives, he lives. I uh, got a text from a friend of mine this morning. And it said, you thought he was dead? <laughs> April Fools. <laughs> He's alive. Amen. He's alive, alive, alive forevermore. And praise the Lord for it. Boy, what a joy to be saved this morning, isn't it? I'm so tired of Christians walking around in the mully grubs all the time. We're saved. We're redeemed. We no longer are headed to hell. We're on our way to heaven with a God that loves us. And oh, what joy it brings to our hearts. I hope we never get over the day that we got saved. And I hope uh, this morning that everyone has had that experience in their life. Let's take our Bibles this morning, if you will. We're going to begin in Mark chapter number 14. Mark chapter number 14. And we're getting to the point, and as we get to Mark chapter 14, of uh, the uh, beginning of the time of Passover. And uh, the uh, many of us have seen pictures that have been... Uh, drawn of the Last Supper of Jesus eating with his twelve disciples in the upper room, and uh, we all know a little bit about that story. Now, hopefully, if you're here in church today, you've been in church a few times, you've heard stories like this, and uh, know about it from Scripture. And aren't you glad the Bible is true this morning? I'll tell you, I never get over, I never cease to be amazed at the fact that we hold the truth in our hands. And people say, "Well, can you definitively go out and tell people this is so?" Absolutely, it's truth. And we know that every word of it is true. Uh, Matthew chapter number 14. Let's begin looking, if you will, in verse number 12. We're going to read a rather lengthy portion of Scripture. And if you will, bear with us. If you didn't bring a Bible this morning, I believe in many of our chairs there are uh, hardback uh, Bibles there that you can utilize. You're happy to uh, use those if you'd like to. And uh, welcome to do so. Mark chapter number 14, beginning in verse number 12. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they uh, killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare, that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall ye meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever ye he, he shall go in, say to the good man of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber, where shall I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you in a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city, and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And in the evening he came, uh, cometh with the twelve, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful, to say unto him, One by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth, as it is written of him, but woe to him, uh, woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Uh, good, uh, were it, uh, good were it for him that the man, if he had not been, never been born. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it, and gave to them, and, saying, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, when he had given thanks, he gave it uh, to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. 
Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said, saith unto them, All shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. He spake the more vehemently that if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. They came to a place which is named, it was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed, and, be very ha- be heavy, and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye there, and watch. And he went forth a little, and fell on the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. He cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, Sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. When he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh the third time, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. It is enough, the hour is come, behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go, lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. And immediately while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve. And with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was gone, come, he goeth straightway to him and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out against a thief with swords and with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and ye took me not, but but that the Scriptures be fulfilled. And they all forsook him and fled. There followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young man laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. They left Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and all the council sought for witnesses against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. And there arose certain and bare false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy the temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. 
But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it? Which of these witnesses against thee? Which these witness against thee? And he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and saith, What need ye any further witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy, what think ye? And all condemned him to be guilty of death, and some began to spit on him, to cover his face, and to buffet him, and to say unto him, Prophesy. And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands, and Peter was beneath in the palace. As Peter was beneath in the palace, there came cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, Thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And the maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them, and he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom we speak. The second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. And straightway in the morning the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. And bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. The chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude cried aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. But the chief priest moved the people, that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him who ye call the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. The soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. 
And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head. And began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him. And bowing their knees, worshipped him. And they, when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and took, put his own clothes on him. And led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon, of Cy, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place, Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of the skull. They gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription that is of his accusers, uh, accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. The scripture was fulfilled which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking, said unto themselves with the scribes, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land unto the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. The veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James the less, and of Joseph and Salome, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many other women which came up with him into Jerusalem. And now when the even was come, because it was the preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate, and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead, and calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of, a, of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And he brought the fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of rock, and rolled a stone under the door of the sepulcher. And Mary Magdalene and the mother of Joseph beheld where he was laid. Father, we come to you this morning. I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. 
Father, I pray that you'll bless the next few moments that we spend together here as we rejoice in all that you've done for us. May your Holy Spirit move in hearts this morning as he sees fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If we were to end the service here this morning, this would be one of the most tragic stories of human history. We would look at that and say, here's a man who came and his whole purpose was to save the souls of men. And he failed. That's what would have had to happen if the story ended here. But aren't you glad this morning, and I'm, I'm glad we have a whole day once a year that we just set aside and we rejoice in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad today that the story doesn't end there? Boy, there's some amazing things that took place during the time of crucifixion. We find the graciousness of God as He comes to His disciples and even knowing that they were going to betray Him, He still was loving of them and caring for them. It's amazing that even while on the cross, He was concerned for His mother's welfare, His earthly mother's welfare, and made sure that she would be taken care of after His death. It's interesting to note that Jesus was not buried in a tomb that he owned, but in a tomb that was borrowed. I heard somebody say it this way one time. The reason it was a borrowed tomb is Jesus knew he didn't need it for very long, just a few days. The Bible says that he was in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. I find as we get to chapter number 16, if you still have your Bibles open, let's look and see the joyous, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had, brought, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning of the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples, and Peter. Well, I love that verse, don't you? Tell his disciples and Peter. Well, why do you think that was so important? Peter denied him three times. I'm sure that if Mary had gone to the twelve, or the eleven disciples that were left now with Peter among them and said, He's risen, Peter of all the disciples would have cowered and, and sulked away thinking, I can't bear to face him. I can't bear to see him. But Jesus wanted to make certain that Peter knew. All is well, Peter. All is well. I'm risen, Peter. Don't you fret over it. And he tells him, I thank God we have a God like that, aren't you? A God of second chances. He says, go and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. And as he said unto you, and they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher. For they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them 
that had been with him as they mourned and wept. I want you to notice a couple things here <coughs> in the next few verses, and this is our message this morning. And she went and told them that had been with as they mourned and wept, and they, when they had heard it, that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two, unto them. This is referring to the two that he appeared to on the road to Emmaus. He appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. I tell you this morning that we have the gospel message The gospel is simply this, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for our sins, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead, triumphant over hell and the grave. His own blood being sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven for atonement for our sins. And those that witnessed this firsthand, those that had a firsthand account of the great gospel story, went and began to tell others, And the Bible says they believe not. The question to you this morning is, do you believe? Do you believe? I know people that will hear the gospel message. We spoke to some of them yesterday. They'll hear it. We've experienced it firsthand. We know we have a risen Savior. He lives inside of us. He bears witness with us. We can with great joy express the gospel story, and yet so many believe not. I want to try to dispel something in the next couple minutes here that I believe is such a travesty in the day that we live. We live in a world where many people look at God as some tyrant. Somebody that sits up in heaven and comes up with moral laws just for the purpose of making men's life life miserable. A lot of people look at the Bible and they look at Christianity as a bunch of thou shalt nots. But you know the Bible says that God is not come to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He didn't come to condemn us. Hold your place here for a moment. Turn with me to the book of John, the gospel according to John chapter number 3. Perhaps one of the most famous portions of Scripture the Bible says in John chapter number 3 and verse number 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me ask you a question. Does that sound like a God who hates man? Does that sound like a God who's out to do nothing but make our lives miserable on this earth? No, it sounds like a God who loves us with all of His heart. And here's where we get things wrong, I believe, so many times. The Bible says in verse number 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But notice what the Bible says here. He that believeth not is condemned. What's the next word? 
already. We're born condemned. You say, what do you have to do to go to hell, Pastor? Nothing. We are already condemned. And Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. He knew we were condemned. And so many times I come across folks who I try to share the gospel story with, and they think they, they say something like this. Well, I don't believe a loving God would send anyone to hell. He didn't. We were already going there. He came to keep us from there. And if a man dies and goes to hell now, he does it trampling through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who loves us with all of his heart and does not desire for any of us to die and go to hell. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God is not some monster tyrant up there trying to be judgmental of people and say, I'm condemning them and I'm condemning them. and I, We're already there. He didn't have to do any of that. We were already condemned when we were born in sin. What he did is he said, I want these people to know I love them. I want everybody that sits in Keith Heights Baptist Church on April the 1st, 2018, to know without any shadow of a doubt when they leave the building, God loves me. And not only that, but He loved me so much that even though I was already condemned, He said, I don't want them to go to hell. I want to save them. I want them to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that they're on their way to heaven. You may be sitting here this morning and have had this thing backwards all this time in your life. You may have said, you know, I've always looked at it the other way, Brother Greg. I've always looked at it as God being some big con con condemner up there that's always trying to, to make my life miserable. No, no, no. We were already in that condition. The Bible says He came to give us life. To give us life more abundantly. And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It'd be one thing if God sent his son to die for those that were just and those that were good and those that had lived a decent life. But when he died for those that were sinners, what love is that? <coughs> Can I share with you this morning, God loves you, and He doesn't want anyone to die, <coughs> excuse me, and go to hell. If you're here this morning and a Christian, we can leave here this morning with great joy in our hearts, singing, I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and He talks with me, whatever men may say. Oh, that we would learn to rejoice in a risen Savior. I don't know, I just don't understand Christians that can't rejoice, that can't be happy all the time. I don't care what circumstances of life come our way, it can't be worse than hell. And we're saved from that, amen? We're saved from hell. There may be some folks here this morning that say, you know what, Brother Greg, I, my life's not been a lot of joy. There's not been a whole lot of joy in it. I, I, I really, I've always looked at God as 
something I really didn't want to have anything to do with because I really felt like he was just a God of rules and a God of do's and don'ts. Can I share with you this morning? He's a God that loves you. He's a God that gave everything he had to save you from hell. If a man goes to hell now, he does it of his own choice. Not because God sends him there. For you see, we were already condemned. Born into sin. The Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, speaking of the sin of Adam in the Garden of Eden. And death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that our righteousness is the very best that we can do. Our filthy rags in the sight of God. I've heard people say, well, I think if I do enough good, God will let me in heaven. Why would we take a pile of filthy rags and lay them at the feet of Jesus and say, this is why I deserve to go to heaven? That's ridiculous. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2, For by grace... Are you saved? That's something we don't deserve, but He gives it to us anyway. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Plus nothing, minus nothing. We're not trusting our church attendance. You say, Brother Greg, I'm not a Baptist. I go to another church. We're not trusting in that. If you came to this church, we are not trusting in the fact that we are in Keith the Heights Baptist Church to take us to heaven. Amen? We're not trusting in the fact that we have godly parents. We're not trusting in the fact that we live a good life. Well, I'm, I'm pretty good, Brother Greg. I, I live a pretty clean life. God said even those are filthy rags. What are we trusting in to take us to heaven? Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Can I tell you this? There are some folks that will say, how do I know that's true? The reason is because the truth is a living truth. It bears witness inside of us. I've talked to numerous folks that said, Boy, the first time I ever heard the gospel, I knew in my heart it was true. I just knew it was true. Because we serve a risen Savior. If you're here this morning, you're saved, you're on your way to heaven. Boy, we ought to rejoice going out here today. We ought to be bouncing off the walls. We ought to be so excited. My brother-in-law last night turned on the, one of the final four games. I've never seen a bunch of idiots so much when the camera turns to the, not talking to my brother-in-law, although I think of that sometimes of him too, but no, I'm just kidding. They zoom to some of these people in the stands. You ever watch some of those folks? They're crazy. They're crazy. About five guys throwing a ball in a ring. Don't get me wrong, I love basketball. It was the sport I loved in high school that I played a lot of. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not ever going to let somebody be more excited about a silly basketball game than I am about the fact that God has saved me from a devil's hell. Amen. 
And we ought to rejoice in that. You ask some Christians how they're doing, you don't want to hear the answer. <laughs> well, brother, let me tell you. No, no, wait a minute. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm way better than I deserve. Good or bad, I'm still way better than I deserve. There may be some lost folks here today saying, you know what, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I've been depending on living a good life. I've tried hard at it. You know, there was a rich young ruler who came to Christ said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, well, you ought to be keeping the commandments. He said, I've done all that from a youth. And Jesus said, that's not enough. He said, you ought to take all that you have and give it away. The young man went away sorrowful because he had a lot of good things. But even in that, Jesus was saying even that would not be enough. He said it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for that man to go into heaven trusting in what he's done or what he has. The disciples looked at Christ and said, how then can a man be saved? He said, with men it is impossible. What a statement. There's not one thing that you or I can do to save ourselves. But with God, all things are possible. By putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Greg, I don't understand that terminology. I don't understand that. Let me put it this way. There's a difference between believing and having faith. I'll try to illustrate it very quickly. We'll be done. We have some beautiful chairs in our auditorium. These are well built. They're made out of steel frames. High quality materials. I've sat in them numerous times with my 300 pounds. And I go to sit down in that chair and I, I don't even think about it. Because I believe that chair will hold me. But the truth of the matter is I could stand up here all day and tell you from the pulpit I believe that chair will hold me. And I can mean it with all of my heart and I can be sincere, but I've not placed my faith in that chair yet. For me to put my faith in that chair means I've got to walk over to it. And I've got to begin sitting down in it. And even as long as I can hold my own balance and recover myself and say, oops, I don't want to sit down, I'm going to stand back up again, I still have not put my faith in it. You know when faith happens? Faith happens when my 300 and whatever pounds starts to go back, and I reach a point where I cannot recover myself. If that chair fails, I'm hitting the floor. That's the moment of faith. You say, what do I have to do to be saved? Put so much dependence in the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I am trusting you and you alone for my salvation. And if you fail, I'm lost. Because I'm not trusting my works. I'm not trusting how good I can be. I'm not trusting what family I grew up in or what church I attend. I'm not trusting how many times I've prayed or how many times I've taken communion. I am trusting you and you alone. That's faith. Until then, we've just simply talked good about the Lord Jesus Christ. The question this morning, when the gospel is spoken and given to us,
Do we believe? Do we believe enough to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone to take us to heaven? Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we're thankful for Your Word.